not too deep. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I am your host, Grace Helbig. A very exciting episode awaits you. We have none other than Bob, the drag queen with us. Oh, I'm so excited for this. We talked about uh, the four different times that he auditioned for Drag Race. Fourth time's a charm. We talk about the experience of creating the beautiful and wonderful HBO show We're Here. We also talk about his new idea that I think should get made. Any producer anyone out there that's willing to make this show please flip the Karens you know we're talking about flipping the Senate and Bob has the mission to flip the Karens and it's oh so perfect we actually uh we actually we actually talk a lot about the lottery and how that can help benefit the youth in our country uh we I mean we, we talk about everything so please enjoy this episode of not too deep with the so hilarious so sweet Bob the drag queen Oh, Bob, thank you for being here. Of course, my pleasure. Uh, You've put yourself together in all of 30 seconds, and I am so impressed. I put myself together in like an hour, and this is what I've come up with. So kudos to you. No, you look great. We're all looking great here. We're all doing the best we can. Um, I have to say, I am so impressed. One, um, with your uh, social media influence, you've gotten to work with brands like Coach and Party City all within months of each other and that yeah, quite the is spectrum the yeah range. that is such a feat uh i have to ask how is you've dedicated uh yourself to youtube more in this like pandemic quarantine how is that going for you yeah it's going pretty well i mean i'm not like one of the million subscriber youtubers or anything well you've also just like started it feels like yeah, I just really got into the YouTubing. So, I mean, I, I can't tell if what I'm doing is on track or what, but <laughs> it feels good to be creating content, you know? Yeah. What was the um, catalyst or inspiration to actually start uh, planning out more YouTube stuff? Well, it's not like I can get out in the world and do stuff. So right. now I'm just, you know, doing Working it with from... What- yeah, working with my guy. Yeah, I'm, I'm adjusting to 2020. Yeah, which I is, mean, it, by the way, barely, it's barely 20. It's almost 2021 at this point. I know. Uh, time is a very strange system this year, I feel like. So, what, right. is, what's been the best part about being able to do YouTube content now? I mean, it feels like you have obviously creative control. You can do whatever the fuck you want there. Like, yeah. do you feel like it uh, has been like a creative outlet, like something that's been helpful? Yeah, I mean, it keeps me busy. The, one of the best parts is that it just keeps me busy yeah. um, from, you know, instead of sitting in my home wishing I could reach out to people who appreciate my work, I yeah. actually can. And I can also reach people. Also, through like the live shows and stuff, I'm able to reach people who I could basically not reach before. Yeah. That must be a very cool thing. I mean, that's we've been um, having a lot of, of different creatives on the show lately, and it's really inspiring to see how resourceful everyone has been over the last mm-hmm. few months, uh, which is very, very cool. Now, I have you learned anything about yourself over the last couple months in having to kind of pivot and navigate the world? I mean, I'm sure, but I think I learned something about myself every couple of months. Yeah. I ho- I hope <laughs> I, I I would like to be self aware enough to 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 discover myself as time goes on, and I'd be like, I've got it all figured out, kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no one likes that. No one likes that person. 
or wants to be that person. I don't want to be that person. I can't speak to everyone. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like, yeah, maybe I've learned like a little bit about myself. I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that I can articulate what I've learned. Sure. You know what I mean, I don't know that the movie's over yet so that right. I already have, that I've made, that I've, and I also don't want people to feel like they have to like, like anyone listening, you don't have to like come out of quarantine or out of 2020. Everyone's like, well, I'm in the house. Like I got to learn five languages. Mm-hmm. I got to be able to, I got to be skinnier than I ever was. <laughs> I, gotta, I have to know how to macrame, uh, uh-huh. point. Um, you know, I can yeah. sew now. Just <laughs> no, I think that's great. Um, because there is, yeah, there, I, I've struggled at the beginning of the pandemic of feeling like, okay, I have all this free time. I have to put it to good use. But then sometimes you just don't have the motivation or inspiration to put it to good use. So it really is on your own timeline uh, yeah. and giving yourself permission. Um, okay. Can we go back to the beginning for people that might not know who you are or how you started? Uh, you were born in, and raised in Georgia. Yeah, I was, born in, I was born in Columbus, Georgia, and I was raised throughout the South, but mm-hmm. mostly Georgia. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I, your mom owned a bar that uh, drag was performed at? Yeah, it was called Sensations. My, my mom owned a, a, like a gay bar that did drag shows, yeah, called that's, Sensations in Columbus, Georgia. I mean, that's um, a very interesting career for a mom to have. What was it like growing up in that environment? Um, well, I mean, I, I also don't want to create this, uh, this idea that it was like a long lasting establishment for like a <laughs> pillar in the community. Um, you know, the, the gay cheers, it wasn't that, <laughs> yeah. um, my mom and a bunch of lesbians decided to open a bar and I think the bar lasted for like three years, maybe. Okay. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, still pretty substantial and what an amazing kind of, um, thing to decide that you're going to start, <laughs> especially yeah, yeah, with yeah. kids. Now, how did you first, was that your first like uh, intro into the world of drag or how did that start? I mean, it started with TV and film. Uh, okay. I think Tu Wong Fu was the first time I saw a drag queen in a film or maybe wow. the her drag mention was actually in The Lion King. I don't know if people remember there's a scene where Timon and Pumbaa and Simba and Rafiki uh-huh. are all trying to storm Pride Rock now that Scar is taking it over. Yeah. And then Simba goes, I need you to create a distraction. And then Timon says, what do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula? Well, uh, yeah. And then it cuts <laughs> to Timon wearing a hula skirt and a coconut bra and Pumbaa's on a plate with an apple in his mouth. And then, <laughs> uh, he, then uh, he sings a song. Nathan Lyon sings a song. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You've just changed a big perspective for me. So do you that remember was, that? What do you yeah. want to do? Dress and drag and do the hula? Yeah. I do. Wow. Um, now I want to go back and watch the movie specifically for that scene. Right. And they, they did not put it in the remake. They didn't? Oh, no. God. What a missed opportunity. Uh, so that's your first uh, actual um encounter with that how do you start performing how does that i don't know let me see okay google (laughs) when did two wong fu come out in the united states yeah so two wong fu came out the next year so it was definitely the lion king okay well it might have been like it also could have been bugs bunny like dressing up in drag but like hearing it called drag yeah the first time was the lion king Wow, that's wild. How interesting. And also, I guess when you look back at a lot of like, um, 
you know, childhood entertainment, it's probably infused in a lot of areas without you even recognizing necessarily. Yeah, there's probably some queen on staff writing for uh, Lion King. <laughs> yeah, probably. So what is your, when was your first show? When was your first attempt at doing drag? My first show was the New York Comedy Club about 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. I went and I did some stand-up. That was my mm-hmm. first show. It was my first time dressing up in drags. My first time doing it in front of an audience was wow. at the New York Comedy Club doing stand-up. Wow. Okay, so that's a layered uh, situation, I'm sure. So not only are you doing stand-up, but you're doing stand-up in drag? Yeah. Wow. So have you always wanted to do stand-up? Was that something that was just sort of like, you're obviously a funny person, and I'm sure as soon as you're a funny person, people encourage you, like, you should make jokes. Well, I, I don't know always. I, when I was younger, I had a lot of jobs. When I wanted to be an accountant. I wanted to be a candy mm. maker. I wanted to be... A candy I maker. Just, I remember just wanting to be Martin Luther King. Um, <laughs> like, just wanting to be like, whatever Martin Luther King does... I want to do that. I want to be in front of people being like, listen, everyone, let's rile up and, you know, get blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and then somehow it all, then I found acting and then through that I found out that I was funny and then I was like, maybe I should give stand-up a try. I didn't, I didn't start like writing or thinking about stand-up until I was like 19. Wow. Which and seems well, early. I'm like, I'm like, not until I was, but I was also fully like 19 years old. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is young in stand-up terms. And what was it like getting into stand-up? Because especially the New York stand-up scene is difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, so um, are you a stand-up? I did. I've done improv in New York for years before I moved out to LA. Stand-up scares the shit out of me. Um, I've done like storytelling and that kind of thing, but Mm -hmm. I know a lot of stand-ups. Got it. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Stand-ups yeah, we're, we're, I know. <laughs> I keep trying to cheer them up and they don't want that. <laughs> no, stand-ups are miserable uh-huh. fucks. I believe they're miserable fucks. Yeah, it's the um, genus species of stand-up. <laughs> right? Um, for those you don't know, like stand-up in New York, there's a couple ways you can do it. There's like, this is called a bringer show. A bringer show mm-hmm. is where you get, you're allowed to do the show if you can bring a certain number of people. And it's usually like three right. or five people. If you right. can bring five people to the show, you're allowed to get on stage and tell your jokes. Mm-hmm. I started doing bringers. Bringers, people despise bringers in the stand-up world. Yeah. Because it does not guarantee that your show will be funny. It just guarantees that you will have an audience. That is the yeah. only thing it guarantees. <laughs> there will be people um, breathing in the room with you. Exactly. And there's also like uh, uh there's like uh you can get you can earn a seat at a show mm-hmm. by selling tickets. So you can go into the street and like Bark. Try to get tickets to a show, and then if you sell a certain number of tickets, you can actually get to be in a show. That's another one. And then it's also like if you just keep doing enough open mics, eventually someone will ask you to do your show. Yeah. I did the bringer version, which people would just, I wouldn't recommend it. Actually, honestly, it was great because that was funny. And mm-hmm. I had like all my friends from work laughing. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I thought it was fucking great. Most comedians would be like, don't do a bringer. But yeah. bitch, it turned me out. <laughs> It is when you put it in those terms. I'm like, oh, stand up comedy is just a pyramid scheme. Then it's just bring oh, yeah, five of your sure. friends. Exactly. <laughs> now, uh, let's talk about auditioning for a Drag Race. Uh, where does this come into play in your career? I, I auditioned for Drag Race four times before four I got times. on. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, I, I, I was auditioning for Drag Race around season four, which was 2012. Dang. Was my first no. Whatever season four was, okay. I think it was 2012 2000, uh, or 2011, maybe. It was okay. my first time auditioning, and I didn't get on until 2015. Wow. So what kept you re-auditioning? 
I mean, it wasn't, it was just like a little chunk of my, like my, like a, it was like a week of work. Right. And, but then it's not like I wasn't still doing drag. Like I was still doing everything else. Right. And then I was like, oh, let me just go ahead and audition for this thing. And maybe I'll get on it. Maybe not. And then if I didn't get on, I would just keep doing my thing. And I was still enjoying my life as a drag queen, as a comedian yeah. and an actor. Um, but I would also just take time to audition for RuPaul's Drag Race every year. Like, right now, I live in LA now. And <laughs> oh, I thought you were still in New York. I was like, that sounds like New York. It does. Like LA is louder than New York. Yes. No one's going to talk about that. No one talks about that. LA is louder than New York. Yeah. How is it? Like, how long have you been in Los Angeles now? Like a little over a week. Oh, okay. So fresh, fresh, brand new, brand new. Yeah. yeah. How, uh, what are the major differences for you or what's the, um, the getting used to it part like? Well, I mean, I've been to LA, so, and I've spent right. a significant amount of time in LA. So I'm, this isn't culture shock mm-hmm. right now. It's just not having my things. I mean, I've been renting this mm-hmm. room in LA since the beginning of the year. Okay. I was anticipating going back and forth, but then I ended up being in New York the whole time because of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, but I, just not being with all my stuff is a little strange, to be honest. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Especially when all we've been doing for the last like seven months is being around all of our, our stuff, stuff all the time. Yeah. yeah. So we're conditioned that it's like become part of this us. call was a whole thing. Like when I'm when I was back in New York City, I would just like, you know. Yeah. You have your to, system. The, I just literally, it was like literally click, boom, hi. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, oh, the light's falling over. And like, I'm, sitting on, I'm sitting on the floor. I have my, my house shoes on my hands. I don't know what's going on. But see, the this world's... is, you're just you. You're still you at the end it's of the day. It's the real me. This is the real me. This is the real me, everyone. So, okay. Fourth time's a charm. You get onto the show. Did you do any, um, prep? Did you talk to anyone beforehand? Did you get any advice? Because when you came onto the show, you seemed very steadfast in who you are, what you have to offer. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have any friends who were (laughs) on drag race before me. Okay. I mean, kind of, I mean, Bianca and I, our relationship grew after Drag Race. I mean, her and I did, we did a show together before. Mm-hmm. So after she filmed Drag Race and before her season aired, her and I did a show together. Okay. So we had that relationship, but we didn't actually become like friends, friends until after that gig. And then mm-hmm. I got on the year after that. So okay. she won, someone else won, then I got on the show. Gotcha. Okay. And then what was your experience like? Because I'm fascinated. The part that I wish that they showed more of that they don't is like what happens after you rap for the day and you guys all have to like be oh, sequestered. Not remotely fascinating. Really? You, would, you wouldn't want to watch this at all. It's, <laughs> it's quarantining before quarantine, but it's quarantine without any, like without the, the internet. Wow. And without a phone. So it's literally just a bunch of drag queens. I mean, we would leave the the room and just like pass out. Uh, like we, we would get back to our rooms and we'd wake up and then we'd be back in the workroom. Jeez. Yeah, it must have been like a fever dream the whole time. I mean, it was it, it was really because it's very systematic and it was, we were on a schedule. So yeah. it was like... I was a morning person, which I had never been. So I was like, it, it didn't feel, I didn't feel like a zombie. I didn't feel crazy. There is a moment where you feel a little nutty because you were going against what you typically do in life. Right. Because like typically you get to talk to your loved ones and, and you know, you don't eat a lot or maybe you actually, I guess this eating schedule is 
different than whatever eating schedule was before because you're not mm-hmm. eating when they offer you food, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I'm drinking like nothing but Red Bulls. So maybe um, I was a little bit on edge, but <laughs> also not too far from my life anyway. So then what to you was the most interesting or surprising other than winning, obviously, uh, when you watch, I didn't, find that, I didn't find winning surprising. Well, yeah, I bet you did. I wasn't surprised at all, actually. <laughs> well, that's the thing too, is that you had such a, uh, I was going to say quiet confidence, maybe not quiet confidence. You had such a, uh, a confidence the whole time that it was really fun to watch because I guess you didn't make an audience nervous. Like you just felt like you always had a handle on exactly what you wanted to do. And even if you did it, you were very aware and like in tune with that. Well, I mean, I really wanted to win and and I didn't feel the need to be shy about it. Yeah. 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 The, so after you win, what's that year like of being the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race? I mean, it's a combination of like a lot of responsibility that you're placing on yourself really, because it's not like world of wonder or RuPaul is like, you got to do this stuff. Right. They just give you the money and tell you to go about your business. Wow. <laughs> and, we'll see, and we'll see you in a year when you give up the crown that there's, there's no duties. Yeah. You know, you just huh. do whatever the hell you want to do. And I remember wanting to make an impact and wanting to um, be a, I don't know, like it, I, I, I wanted to get, make the most of my year, you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems like you have because you've gone into a billion other projects since then. Um, let's talk about Purse First, too, because this uh, it's fun because you get to watch it evolve on the show itself. You didn't come yeah. in with that idea. No, I didn't come in being like, first, first, I'm going to do a thing. It just like, mm-hmm. it or it happened organically. It happened because Thorgy, yeah. who's a dear friend of mine, was like, we all were like, how do we all walk out? And I said, I walked out like this. Like, you know, with my, with my, she was like, how did you walk out? And I said, I walked out like this, like my purse first. Uh-huh. And then we started kind of like joking about how it sounded like a song. And then I made up this little song on the spot. And then I started carrying the purse because I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of took on its own life. And now I'm like, holding bags for coach (laughs) (laughs) i know now do you think about like what do i actually need or want in my life and how do i brand that for myself so that right (laughs) right i should have said a million dollars first and then you know maybe the lottery will sponsor me or some shit right uh well in in terms of your music think about that i wonder when they like if people do a commercial for the lottery yeah how much are they getting paid like the people, Be, like actors. Who do the com- yeah, because the yeah. people, because the lottery, they make a lot of money. Does I mean, yeah. Have we ever investigated the whole lottery system? How much money are they actually making? I mean, the it, the, it favors the house. I mean, if they're if they're able to give away multiple right. millions of dollars a year, right, Mama, they're doing well. Are you? A you know, in off? Georgia, I I don't play the lottery at all. At uh-huh. all. Good for you. Because I I don't think I'm lucky enough to do that. <laughs> You're, um, you're practical. <laughs> yeah. But um, I do gamble when I go to casinos, but I don't play the lottery. So in Georgia, mm-hmm. they have something called the Hope Scholarship. Mm-hmm. And to give you an idea of how well the lottery is doing, in Georgia, because of the Georgia lottery, every single student who graduates from high school, they beat average or above, goes to college for free. Is that for real? And it's paid for by the Georgia lottery, which is one of the things where people are like, we wow. can't do social. There's no way that Americans can go to college for free. I'm like, Americans are already going to college for free. In yeah. Georgia, the state I'm from, people go to college for free all the time. Wow, all I didn't know that. Be, yes. So, Mary, we already have 
socialism popping off. <laughs> wow, that's really interesting. Great to know. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I have a billion more questions for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Okay, so uh, let's talk about we're here. How did this idea come to you? Were you part of the initial like uh, inception of this? So it's not uh, we're here is not my idea. We're here mm-hmm. uh, was the idea of uh, Jenny Ingram and Steve Stephen Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Warren is a Hollywood lawyer, and Jenny Ingram is like a photographer and creative art director. And so I got a cold call, like a Hollywood cold call. Wow. And I, by the way, I answer my phone no matter who calls, even if I don't recognize them. Right, I always, I actually think it's really important to answer your phone. You do. No matter every time my phone rings, if I see it, I answer. That I feel like you are very, you're a unicorn for that. Well, it's also because I have no qualms hanging up on people. Like Ah, it doesn't bother me. Being like, if someone's like, "Hey, I'm just wondering if I'll just hang up." Like, (laughs) "Hey, don't don't hang up." I'm like, "Bye." Yeah, I guess I forget that you have control of the situation when you answer the phone. (laughs) If it's a telemarketer, I'm like, I will never see you ever. And if I do, you won't know it's me. So like, what what does it matter? And I'm saving you time because I'm not going to buy whatever you're trying to sell me. So just like, I'm I'm saving you time. Right. You're giving Um, them notes, basically. Right. Um, So and even if I'm too busy to talk, Uh unless I'm like actually filming something, if I'm getting ready, I'll answer and be like, hey, I can't talk right now. I'll call you back. Bye. Wow. Always answer my phone. Okay, good for you. So you got one of those phone calls. You picked it up. Yes. And he was like, hey, I have an idea for this. It was Stephen Warren. He was like, I have an idea for this show, but I can't tell you over the phone. It's super secret. We have to meet at a restaurant in, in New York City. That so sounds did, like a movie premise. Like that sounds hilarious and dangerous. <laughs> he was like, bring a briefcase with $1 million <laughs> handcuffed to yourself. Yeah. Get rid of your fingerprints. Here we go. Yeah. Rub your fingers in lemon juice yeah. for a week <laughs> to get rid of your fingerprints. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty um, chill. Like we, he told me the concept mm-hmm. and I really liked it. He really sold me when he said that we'd be telling stories of marginalized people. Like I, didn't, I didn't mm. want it to be like queers fix straight people's lives. Like that right. would have driven me crazy, and we yeah. did not. Even, I'm so glad we did not make that show. Yeah, it's. I mean, the show is beautiful and very real. What was your experience like shooting it? Because I mean, you have this concept in mind, and then you really don't know how it's going to go until you start oh, meeting these Grace, people. I can't. I can't answer that question quickly because. <laughs> We, I mean, what my experience, we, we shot that show for nine months. Wow. So I had so many experiences. I'm sure. Shooting that show from the blistering heat in Gettysburg in July to mm. the um, amazing emotional moments I had with members of the Navajo Nation and Shiprock, mm. New Mexico, yeah. to um, a trans man finally having the wedding of his dreams uh. with his wife in Twin Falls, and Twin Falls, like to, it was just, it was really gorgeous. Yeah. Really, really, to like this wonderful, like Mexican mom crying, getting uh. to see her, her son on stage, like being his true authentic. It was like, like, he was like having fun and being queer with his queer friends. They didn't feel the need to hide it from his mom. It was gorgeous. You got to watch the show. Yeah. I mean, you, I, and if you don't, you're probably homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that's the marketing plan. <laughs> the, I mean, it's it's beautiful. Do you have a one particular memory that like struck you the most or one particular situation? You know, I always think about um, meeting uh, Lady Suge and Nate in, in, uh, Ship, in Shiprock, which is the Farmington episode, mm-hmm. and how it was really amazing to see all the indigenous queer community come together to help make this performance. Cause it wasn't just me and Nate, it was me and Nate and all of his indigenous queer friends mm. who were helping with photography. Like he, we were able to use photography. Lady uh-huh. should got up and we in, included activism about missing indigenous women. And it was really, it was really beautiful. Wow. Are, is there another season? Yeah, we, we, we got picked up for season two. <sighs> That's yeah. incredible. Um, but we, so I assume you have to wait until the world opens back up a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Now, are you working on comedy while in quarantine? I know you're doing YouTube and uh, as much as you can. Are you working on like an actual like show, stand up special? Well, well, my my last special came out this past February. Okay. My, my, my last special. So I'm still kind of riding that one. Um, I would What's love that? to be a... I was it's called Bob, Bob, Bob Drag Queen Live at Caroline's. Yeah. What's your process for putting to a special together? Because that's more than just like, you know, a 10 minute set or something. Yeah. It's kind of just like an amalgamation of things that I've like, I'll talk about stuff with my friends. And then in the moment, I'm like, oh my God, that's pretty funny. Or something <laughs> I'll bring up on stage that'll come uh-huh. out of my mouth out of nowhere. I'm like, I got to explore that. Mm-hmm. And then I write it out and then I bounce the ideas off of some of my comedian friends, particularly my friend, Mateo Lane. Those guys, uh, I love Mateo. Yeah. He helped me flush out a lot of ideas and it's helped me save myself. He's helped the world from hearing a lot of really <laughs> not, fu- not funny jokes. Um, and, and, and we just go back and forth and then I get up, you know, this last special is honestly legit. Like I'm so proud of it. It's, it's, it's it, I'm very proud of it. It's one, it's one of the funniest things I've ever done. That's really cool. Now, do you ever feel um, that you have to prove yourself even more in the stand up world when you come from a, a drag world? Or do you think that's like uh, actual like benefit? Yeah, no, no, it, it's, it, it's both. It's yeah. both. I get, I get a lot of attention because I'm in drag, mm-hmm. but a lot of the comedians themselves will see me and think like, I'm going to get up there and do a bunch of like, I'm a man in a dress jokes. Mm. And, 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 and I have a few of those, <laughs> <laughs> but I have experiences as like a real, as like a, a, a real life uh, human person as well. Yeah. 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 So are you working on a ne- another special? Are you taking some time? I mean, I'm kind of always working on this, but like, I, I'm always like putting down jokes, but I don't have any current plans of doing my next special quite yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, what are you watching in quarantine or have you, are you a TV Bitch, person? I become a TV person. I watch okay. the boy. I watch the boys. Okay. Which yep. is like on Amazon prime. I I've love, watched... love, love this show. Yeah. It's pretty great. Forewarning, it is gruesome, y'all. It yeah. is disturbing. It sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, uh, someone's like actual neck will explode in front of your face yeah. for like a long time, too. Like they yeah. make you watch all the way through. I mean, lots of trigger warnings here between the gruesomeness and like trigger warnings about like racism. And mm-hmm. it's messy. It is messy. But it's a great show. I love that show. Um, mm-hmm. I started watching Utopia. Yeah. I don't know if I don't know if I'm crazy about Utopia yet. 
It's not terrible. I'm just, it's hard to follow. Yeah, I agree. I, my boyfriend and I watched the first two episodes, I think, and we were like, uh, we'll come back to this. Um, I'm, at, I'm at four episodes and I'm like, I shouldn't have this many questions. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Still. Yeah. It's always yeah. good to have a few questions by the end of the episode, but like, I'm like, you haven't answered any of my fucking questions, you know? Right. Am I an idiot? Or are you guys yeah. just like making me wait right now? Or is it a combination of the two? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you watch any reality television? You know, I only really watch reality TV if it's competition based. Really? Okay. And so... I haven't really watched any, but now I really only watch RuPaul's Drag Race in terms of reality TV. Like, there's, mm. there's not much I watch else. I did watch James Charles's makeup show. Well, I watched like, the first two episodes, and then I had to, like skip to the end. And every once in a while, I will watch. Um, What's that makeup show on Netflix? Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about, where it's all the the young like makeup artists are competing. And it's got Val Garland in it, and she's yes. like, ding dong, ding dong darling. Yeah. <laughs> this look is absolutely marvelous. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Ding dong. Dong. Oh, it's so darling. St- it's so stupid. I love it so much. And yeah. she always builds herself up from like a very low tone to like oh, yeah. screaming. She's like, she's like, Grace, <laughs> this look you've done today, the colors, the textures, the the perfect combination of lace and and also the contacts that you've chosen, these brothers. Pros- I'm going to say it. And everyone's on the edge yeah. of the seat. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Ding. Oh. And then like people are crying. I know. I know. Like people are going into labor. There's like, you know, um, people are like tearing it's, down walls. It's madness. It's, uh, the bu- it's the golden buzzer from America's Got Talent. It's like, it it's Ding dong. I, I want a fucking it. ding dong. I I'm going to send a video of me in my makeup and be like, Val, can I get a ding dong? Right? I also feel like it it really makes you think that you got to start thinking about what your what your catchphrase is. What's your tagline? What's your ding, ding. dong? I don't think I say, honestly, I don't think I say purse first enough. Like I, I barely mm. ever say it. Like <laughs> Shangela is always saying hallelujah. She uh-huh. won't stop saying hallelujah. <laughs> Eureka's all like pretty, P-H-A-T, pretty hot and tasty. <laughs> And I never, I never say this first. Well, there you go. Well, uh, are you tired of it or do you just try to keep it in the reserves? No, I'm not tired of it at all. I love purse first. Oh, that's um, good. It just doesn't come out as it, like purse first. Isn't a, um, it's not a, an exclamation. Right. It's, it's, it's not a <laughs> like, hallelujah. She just says it to everything. Hallelujah, uh-huh. baby. Hallelujah. <laughs> but mom's going purse first. First, first, bitch. First, like it's, it's a little confusing. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have, or who would you say in the drag world gives the worst advice? Who gives the worst advice? Um, and I've heard a lot of bad advice in the drag world. To be honest, I mean, I remember uh, I was watching one episode of. Uh, all stars? No, drag. I can't remember what season of Drag Race it was. Mm-hmm. Ten. It was season ten. Okay. And Alyssa was giving this inf- this like this advice on like how to lip sync, and I was like, I would not. Who would, who would do that? <laughs> but I I always say this. But also, she does some really great. Like she does some of the, one of the best lip sync in Drag Race history when she did when she did the Annie Oakley thing. Yeah. That was Amazing. like a, 
amazing. So, oh, yeah. But I, I mean, but I think that she was anticipating that everyone could do what she does. Mm. That's like well, that's like whenever like like if Naomi Campbell or, or Tyra Banks is like, oh, you want to pose? All you have to do is look like this and do this <laughs> and make this look. So, yeah, all that plus be a certified fucking supermodel. Uh huh. I'm yeah. sure that being a supermodel part didn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> Oh, a hundred percent. What have you? Do you have thoughts about Drag Race Canada now that they've wrapped their first season? Yeah, I'm really, I, I was. Do you have? I was rooting. I was rooting for Priyanka. I was very team Priyanka, yeah. so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad that she um, got that crown. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was very sweet. There was a real sense of like, uh, it felt very new and very sweet. Right. Uh, do people come to you for advice now? Yeah, I don't really give a lot of advice because no. I mean I don't know what the hell I'm doing myself. And that's very refreshing to hear. Like, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I mean, if you take my advice, you're probably gonna end up literally exactly like me. And is that really what you want? <laughs> like the only thing I really know how to do is do the things that I'm doing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell you how to be me. Sure. But like, I don't know. I'm not I wouldn't trust my advice that well. Well, let's talk about social media. What's your go-to app or platform? Do you love Instagram? Are you on, you're on TikTok? No, I'm kidding. Um, right now, right now, I've been doing a lot of TikToking, but I'm also on Instagram. Mm. I have the most followers on Instagram. Okay. Um, and I'm Instagramming. I Instagram a lot. I'm, I'm, I, I constantly Instagram. I mean, your photos, I, your photos are beautiful. So, what's your oh, process you. for? Um, picking the photo for Instagram. How do you choose what goes up there? Grace, I don't pick my photos. My partner who takes my photos picks my photos. There you go. My partner is is a really great photographer. He takes all my photos and he is much better at that stuff than I am. Oh, that's so you have a a built-in art director for you. I do. That's fantastic. Um, have there been any ideas for the YouTube channel that you haven't shot that have been too stupid or too dumb or too just you can't do controversial? Too controversial. Um, well, I have a lot of ideas. I, I had this idea for a um a series called uh, Okay, I have a theory. Okay, <laughs> we can change America mm-hmm. if we flip the Karens. Hmm. We have to get the Karens on our side. Yeah. And once we flip the Karens, the rest will just be easy. I agree. So there's Susie's and there's Karens. (laughs) Susie's are the daughters of Karens. Okay. Susie. Yeah. Now we already have the Susie's. We have the Susie's already. Mm -hmm. We don't have the Karens. And Mm. if I sit down and talk to someone, Usually I can explain to them how America has a problem with systemic racism. Mm-hmm. They will say this country is, doesn't have a problem with racism. But usually after talking to me and I articulate my points, they're like, oh, actually, I see what you mean. Yeah. And I think if I sit down with enough Karens, they'll be like, oh, that actually makes sense. See, this is a, a show I would watch over and over. Like, I think this should be produced, made, done. And I want to flip the Karens. I, yeah, I mean, we want to flip the Senate, but I think to do that, we got to flip some Karens first. <laughs> and here's the thing. Let me explain to you this way, okay? Uh-huh. So everyone agrees that slavery was bad. So mm-hmm. that we don't, I don't have to get the Karens on that side. They already believe yep. that part. They're like, but the laws are turned over now, so it's done. No, 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 no. Let's say you break my arm, right? Mm-hmm. It's not fully atonement until you help me get a cast. Mm-hmm. 
You help me get on antibiotics so I don't get an infection. Mm-hmm. You help me pay for my rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Like if 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 I'm missing work because of that, you give me back money for those things. Mm-hmm. And until then, you've not atoned for breaking my arm. Mm-hmm. So what's been done to the black community that has agreed just has never been they just like no more slavery, which by the way isn't true. Slavery has never been abolished, it's just been conditionalized. Mm-hmm. They're like, no more slavery. And we're good now. And then yeah. they're also ignoring the years of Jim Crow laws, and then the segregation, and mm-hmm. then all that. They're forgetting, and then they're forgetting the zoning laws that prevented black people from being able to move into white neighborhoods. They're forgetting the um, the reason why they call black neighborhoods ghettos is because no, we weren't literally physically forced to move there, but we were so redlined, not yeah. able to move anywhere else that a lot of black people were forced to live in the same places. Mm-hmm. And we were like, it was just so long ago, get like slavery was so long ago, get over it. I'm like, you know what was long ago? Jesus dying was long ago. Mm-hmm. No one's telling you to get over that. Yeah. You guys are still celebrating <laughs> Easter? Get over it. It was 2,000 years ago. I hate to tell you, but I don't think he's coming back. <laughs> yeah, like, like I think he found a better plan. It's like, this place sucks. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Full, I'm fully leaving. Yeah. Like, at some point, wouldn't God look at Earth and, Earth and be like, I got to cut my losses? Yeah, they did not go the way I thought they were going to go over there. <laughs> this, is a, this was a shit experiment. <laughs> this is not looking good. Science has shown that at some point the Earth is just going to end up inside the sun randomly anyway. Right. This is a this is like Pandora. It's like if you had Pandora and then Spotify came out, are you still listening (laughs) to Pandora Radio? I know. I feel like God's up there being like, I gave them scientists and they won't listen to the scientists. I don't know what to do anymore. (laughs) Cut my losses. Just you, you, you do it yourself. I'm leaving. Uh, I love that. Okay, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, I have a bunch of questions from Instagram for you. So we'll be right back with more Not Too Deep. Not not Too Deep with Grace Heidbeck. Okay, before we get into these Instagram questions, I'm going to ask you two questions. I ask every single guest that's on the podcast. The first is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? Ooh, I would really love... Mm, let me think about this. Who would I want to throw some cold spaghetti at? Because it's not terrible assault. It's like, mm-hmm. who's that lady who got hit in the face with a fruitcake? Do you remember oh, this? Do you remember cake. this? It was like this gay guy hit this lady who was like anti-gay in the face with a fruitcake. No, I anti-gay thought you were going to say. fruitcake. Wow. Assault. I mean, it was, that, the metaphors, the symbolism, all of it, the poetry in motion. Anyway, I can't remember. It, it was a whole thing, but this like they threw fruit cake at this lady, or hit her in the face with a fruit pie. It was a fruit pie or something like that. Okay. And I was like, oh my god, this is really beautiful. I, <laughs> I think that maybe there's a couple of, uh, well, maybe some high school bullies of mine. I would love mm. to throw. I would love to be able to throw cold spaghetti at them on their wedding day. Oh yeah, I I mean, but like I, ninja style. Yeah. In and out. Anita, it quick. was Anita. It was Anita Bryant, by the way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anita oh. Bryant on October 14, 1977. She had a hit in the face with a fruit pie. Oh wow! 1977. Okay. Yeah. Some history. Um, okay. The other question they ask every single guest on the podcast is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. 
So for example, mine is college jogging front lawn. Mine is um, <laughs> meeting <Okay>. Panera <laughs> Taxi. <laughs> oh, I hope the bread bowl survived after that one. <laughs> oh, paints a picture. Okay, uh, let's get into some Instagram questions for you real quick. Someone asks, what accessory should come into the room last? I mean, I don't, I don't want to be too literal, but the back mm. of your heel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we're being practical in the way you're walking, it should be the back of your heel, right? Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I love that. Uh, someone wants to know, where does he buy his hats? They're always fabulous. Oh, should I go grab one real quick? Oh, Do sure. To, it's like, it, it'll be like a 30-second a moment. Like, sure. <laughs> a full show. What's that? I can only imagine. I have so many ideas in my head, but I also cannot wait for the surprise. I mean, it's not that exciting. <laughs> I, think, I think I think you have a little bit too much. You have too much high expectations oh, in this hat. That looks yeah, wonderful. Yeah, this is Gorn. This is Gorn Brothers. Okay. They make pretty Ooh. nice hats. Oh, um, they're a little bit expensive, but they they last well. And also, look, this hat can like bend. Ooh. And it won't like get fucked. I love it. Like, How many hats do you think you own in total at this point? Not a lot. Maybe like ten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But I wear two over and over again, and I have like Damn. I have like three expensive ones. Mm. And like seven really shitty ones. Have you thought about, because you know how, um, you know, people make products, they make uh, merch, they make all kinds of things. Is there a dream item that you would love to put your name on? Yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to make a line of like genderless clothes. Like I Ooh. wear like some genderless like sacks, like these like yeah. bags like that I wear. They're fit, but they're like multi-seasonal. Yeah, I mean to be fair, they're probably just women's clothes that I'm calling genderless. But because I wear them, they look genderless. And yeah. I really love the idea of like making a line of like genderless sacks for people who who want to be comfortable and aren't necessarily trying to show off like a whole lot of their body. Yeah, I love that. I also just love the name genderless sacks. Genderless sacks Fifth Avenue. Yeah, exactly. Uh, someone asks, who is the all-time most underrated queen from Drag Race? Um, I'm gonna go with Jaden Dior Fierce. Oh, yeah? She does not get the credit she deserves. She's a mm. really, really great drag queen. Oh, that's great to know. Uh, okay, someone wants to know, if you were to write a book, what would it be about? They said they would read it regardless of what it's about. I've had a couple of books that usually revolve around like African-American history, usually. Mm. Like I had an idea for a while, a while back for a book about a, a professor of African-American studies who finds a way to time travel, but his time travel is through possession. So okay. it's not like, so he can, he'll go back, but he is someone else back in time. Oh, okay. So he, he slips into the, the person. Yeah. So he was going back in time and embodying a slave um, but then at one point he gets stuck. Ooh, yeah. I think that's a great idea for a book. 
Uh, so you have lots of projects to do. It sounds like you're just yeah. creating a lot of work for yourself. Um, someone asks, what do you expect the drag world will turn into? It's kind of a difficult question. I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm certainly not the Nostradamus of drag. Um, <laughs> and I have no clue what the fuck. I mean, I, I, I have not accurately predicted a single drag trend mm. since I've started drag. <laughs> so don't listen to me. Whatever I say is the opposite. Oh, love it. Uh, someone wants to know, did you play with other personas before you got into drag, uh, before you landed on Bob? Yeah. So Bob is not really a persona. Bob is just my work name. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't do different. I'm not like being different or acting different or talking funny. Right. I'm, I don't do any of that stuff when I'm in drag. So, but I did have a concept for a character named Erica, but I don't. <laughs> and um, Erica Badon was this like drag queen who wore like head wraps and like <laughs> was barefoot and like did Erica Baduisms. You know, what oh, I mean? that's great. Um, I just told you what not to do constantly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, someone wants to know if you could do drag makeup or hair on any celeb, who would it be? You know, I don't love putting people in drag. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not. A, I'm not a makeup artist, uh-huh. and. I mean, I do my own makeup, but like, because I have to, not because I'm like, sure. can't wait to put the brush on the face today. <laughs> so I, don't, I don't really have a desire to put anyone in drag. Like I, mm. I, if I was going to spend some time with a celebrity, I wouldn't spend time putting them in drag. Mm. How about just a celebrity that you'd want to sit down and have a conversation with? Well, I, I try to see if there's a celebrity I could actually collaborate with. Mm. So, like, I wouldn't want to just hang out with one. Mm-hmm. But if there was someone that I really want to work with, I'd be like, I would try to get a bug in their ear. Mm. Like, I have an idea that one day I want to do a movie where me and Leslie Jones are siblings. I would love that. Like, it's I, happening. Yeah, I feel like you're manifesting a lot of stuff right now. That's going to be That's really good. <laughs> uh, someone wants to know what's the most uncomfortable thing about tucking. I mean, I guess just shoving your junk oh like the whole the, <laughs> the whole, whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole fan after a while, it's not uncomfortable. You, you kind of get used to it. Sorry, I'm trying sure. to read legs. I'm sitting on the floor, so I'm trying to like, oh my god. You're doing your best and we uh, appreciate it. There we go. Uh, but you know, so- when, you, when you tuck your testicles go inside your body. So <laughs> the first the first time that's a little bit uncomfortable. Oh, I'm I can only imagine. Uh, someone wants to know how many characters did you prepare for Snatch Game? Um, three, just three. The three. Yeah, Ruby uh, Goldberg, Carol Channing, and Uzo Aduba. They're great. I mean, they were so. Did you to be able to switch characters halfway through? Were you really confident in that choice, or was that something you kind of like didn't know? I was know? looking forward to it. I was yeah? excited and looking forward. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I was like, this is going to be great. Uh, okay, last question for you. Someone asked, can we get a few bullet points on how to be a good drag fan? Hmm, good question. I mean, I think that this is just my opinion, by the way. So someone mm-hmm. else would not agree with this. Sure. I First of all, don't, don't ever touch anything from my sternum up. <laughs> ah, like, mm-hmm. don't grab my fake boobs. I get it. They're not my boobs, but like, don't grab them. People do that a lot. Like people grab your tits 
all the time in drag. Wow. I mean, and just because they're not yours doesn't mean that they're someone else's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, don't, don't touch my face. Even for a mm. kiss, do not kiss me on the cheek. Mm-hmm. Don't put your hand, don't reach up and grab my face. Don't touch my hair. Hmm. And I also make sure I don't touch the face. Like, I don't touch people. Yeah, I mean, especially now, like, you can't. But even before, yeah. yeah. Like, if if anyone ever saw a picture of me with a fan, if you look at the picture from behind, Uh my hand is usually hovering over there. A hover hand, yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't touch touch people. No, that's Um, good. (laughs) Unless we're friends and and we're we're, we're cool, we're on that level. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I don't don't like the touching. And there's also this weird thing that people do, and this isn't just a drag thing, but, like, Mm -hmm. when someone compliments you mm-hmm. and then you say thank you and they go no no i'm serious it's like it's like this it's like this right i'm gonna do it you okay. compliment me okay now no wait how does it work i'll be the fan i'll be the okay. fan ready okay yeah grace your podcast is really brilliant oh thank you so much no no i'm serious i'm being serious okay uh I didn't think you were joking, but thank you. No, I'm no, I'm telling you. Listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts, <laughs> and yours is great, and I'm not kidding. So, like, it's really good. Oh wow, yeah, that is an uncomfortable thing to get out of. In that and it's like, <laughs> it's like, just let me just just say you're welcome. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm serious. Or I say, oh, you're so kind. No, I'm not nice. I'm actually a bitch. <laughs> it's a lot. Usually, I don't mean this when I say it, but I mean it for you. I'm like, Jesus Christ, oh. I am uncomfy. Woo, I'm uncomfortable. Um, Bob, we've reached the end of the podcast, but before you go, uh, we like to give the guests a, a little gift for making time for us. And we've um, sent you, I believe Melissa has emailed you a personalized fortune cookie from us to you. It says, a beautiful, smart, and loving person will come into your life. None of them are in this room. <laughs> it's the fortune. So keep your eyes peeled. <laughs> There it is. A beautiful, <laughs> smart, and wait, what was that? Beautiful, smart, and loving. Oh, my mm, goodness. Get ready. Los Angeles. They have all kinds of those people here. <laughs> get ready, LA. Uh, Bob, where can people find everything that you're up to if they don't already know? And what do you have coming up? You can go to bobthedragqueen.com, and all my stuff is uh, listed there. Every single thing, season two of We're Here is going to be coming out. Uh, awesome. Some of the podcast season four just dropped. Um, and, of course, every week I'm releasing videos on YouTube. Amazing. And we can all look for Flip the Karens in the near to distant future. Flip the I Karens. We need it. Bob, thank you so much for being here. Ever, go check out everything that he's up to. It's always hilarious. Also, um, I have to say your mom is so adorable on your YouTube channel. Oh. So, so sweet. Uh, thank you again, guys. We'll see you on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. With Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated, producer Melissa D. Montz, edited by Shireen Lani Yunus, post-production sound by Chris Henry, and an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. <laughs> <laughs>